Hey guys, come on in. Welcome to the Dean household. Hey, listen, I hope you enjoyed some of those family clips, by the way, and maybe, just maybe, you recognize part of your family. I'm not quite sure, but here's what I wanted to do today. I wanted to invite you to get to know my family a little bit better. And uh, last Sunday, Marshall Peterson did a great job of kicking off the series, The Perfect Imperfect Family. And this is a great series, not just about family, but about relationships. So if you're not married or you don't have kids, it is not a wash because everything we're talking about and the principles that we'll be discussing will apply to every relationship that you have and how you can help that relationship become even better than what it is right now. But I would love to introduce my kids to you if that's okay. This is Kara, uh, our daughter. She is actually in college a couple of weeks ago. We went and dropped her off at ETBU. She is loving life, doing well. Mom is not. So that's Kara, however. Uh, this is our oldest son, Micah. Uh, he is actually in 10th grade this year. And of course, we are in Fort Bend ISD. So both of my boys are online. And in his own words, he's in jail. He is hating life right now, uh, doing the Zoom uh, school. Zach, on the other hand, our youngest, he is the party animal of the family, constantly dancing with headphones in this house. How does he view Zoom as an eighth grader? It's just a continuation of summer vacation for him. So, so many different personalities. And of course, my wife, stick around and you will get to hear her uh, lead worship in just a few moments. Uh, but we have a great family. Matter of fact, I would say we have an awesome family, but it is not a perfect family because a perfect family is actually a lie. There are no perfect families. So let me just give yourself freedom to just say, whew, my family's not perfect because no family is perfect. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite comedians of all time is Sinbad. My wife and I love Sinbad. Number one, he's clean, and number two, he is really, really funny. And if you follow Sinbad, you know throughout the years, he's always talking about marriage and family. One of his greatest topics is parenting. He loves talking about parenting. And you're talking about a dude who keeps it real about what parents are really thinking about their teenagers, then you need to watch this clip because he really does a good job of talking about how there are no perfect families. Watch this. I want teenagers to know, as parents, our life got jacked up because of you. We can't say this when we're in your family. I can say it because I'm not in your family. I can tell you, if we'd have known what you're going to be like when you became 13, we'd have never had you. We'd have never done it. When you see a big family, that's not a family that loves children. They're trying to get one that's right. They just get one that's right and they cut him out from the rest. You'll be okay. Forget them. They're not going to make it. You're the special child. You're the golden child. Things that teenagers need to know. I know you're young. When you're young, you look at your parents. I hate you. We hate you too. We've hated you longer. We just can't say it because they'll mess your head up and you need therapy and all that other kind of stuff. And know how you know when your parents are about to say they hate you? Because they do this. <laughs> so when you do something and your parents are like, ha, ha, ha. 
they hate you. Now what's confusing to parents is you hate us, but you won't leave our house. You are 25 years old in our house going like this. God, I hate this place. Well, go. Get your stuff and go. I can't wait till I leave. We can't either. We're going to throw a party. I'll drop you off. Where do you need to go? I'm telling you, I love Sinbad. Now, maybe we shouldn't say some of the things we feel about some of our family members and close friends, but probably you would definitely say, yeah, I have felt that way before. Well, we have too. Here's what I want to do for the next few moments. I want to take you in different parts of our home and talk about some of the lies we can believe in our families, but also what are the truths that can really set us free? Because it's not of believing that our family is imperfect. It's actually believing that our family can be perfect, and that is an expectation that you just can't achieve. And it can set everyone else for failure. So here's what I want to do. I want to take you to a room that my wife begged me not to take you to. So, let's go. This is what my wife did not want you to see. <laughs> no kidding, when I left this morning, I got in the car and I thought, that would be a perfect spot to make a point for the message today. So I texted her after lunch and I said, hey, Chris and I are coming over to do the video and I wanna be in the playroom. And her response, don't you dare. It's too messy. And I thought, that's the point. I mean, this is where we do life. Uh, what you can't see across the carpet is actual duct tape where our dog has pulled up some of the carpet. What you can't see is right over your head where we had a basketball goal for the boys. They got a little bit too old, so they started dunking, so it pulled the screws out of the sheetrock that I need to fix. Um, something you can see if you pan over real fast this is where a knee went into the sheetrock. It was a wide receiver going out for a pass. It was an amazing catch. Um, there, is a <laughs> there is a Casio keyboard. And you might ask, who plays the keyboard in your family? Nobody. I don't even know why it's there. So just to encourage my wife, if you have a messy room in your house right now, can you just say, yep, just write those words, yep, Yep, me too. Um, this, is, this is a great reminder about family and relationships. Family is messy. It's just messy. There are no perfect families. That's a lie. So if there are no perfect families, only imperfect families, that means life is going to get messy. Now, when we believe or when we have an expectation that our families should be perfect or it should come natural that it leads to perfection. We set ourselves up forgetting something. Family is messy. Now, when we forget that family is messy, we can start doing some things that are unhealthy behaviors. Number one, we start freaking out. Um, when, when, when our marriage or when one of our relationships, when one of our friendships starts getting a little friction for whatever reason, miscommunication, um, conflict sets in, you, you just can't find common ground about a topic or an issue. Um, we, we, we forget family's messy, so we start freaking out and we can start believing something that's untrue, such as, man, I just married the wrong person. 
That's the problem. Or we are never going to get this right. So maybe I should just kind of move on. When we forget family's messy, we freak out and we lose the clarity of thinking that there are no perfect families. There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect friendships. And it gets messy. So when it does, don't freak out. It's normal. This is life. Uh, another behavior we could have or a thought process we can have when we forget family is messy we can start assuming the worst about the individual about our teenagers when our teenagers when they do something when he just says something or she acts a certain way and you know how a teenage girl acts right when they disagree with you the hand goes on the hip the head gets a little loose and it's something like this Right? I mean, when that starts happening, we can start assuming the worst about them or we can start assuming the worst about ourselves. I'm just a poor parent. I, 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 I don't know how to parent. Um, what's wrong with my daughter? What's wrong with my son? And we forget they're a teenager. <laughs> you probably did the exact same thing growing up. Um, the last thing that happens when we forget the truth that family is messy, relationships are messy, we can actually stop working on that relationship. We can stop working on the family. And when that happens, the mess continues to build and build and build and build. And when we stop working, the relationship stops growing. So families are messy. It's a reality. It's a truth. And don't, don't think that you're the problem, though what you're saying might be. Though there may be something you need to fix, but it's just messy because that's relationships. Don't assume the worst. And whatever you do, don't stop working. That truth, don't stop working, reminds me of another truth about family. And I want to take you to a chair in my house that we have had for over 20 years. And I want to tell you something else about family and relationships. Let's go. This is the chair. <laughs> We've had this chair almost 20 years. Um, you might think, doesn't it stink? Well, we do clean it. Um, and maybe one day we will have it reupholstered. But this chair is going to be hard to take out of this house. Why? Because this chair has experienced a lot of life. And when I was thinking about this message, this was the chair I wanted to bring you to because it is such a reminder about an imperfect family or imperfect friendships. And that's this, that family is hard. Relationships are hard. I'm telling you, this chair has heard some very, very hard conversations in this house. Uh, this chair has been awake late at night for hours as one of us, both of us, have wept on it. Um, this chair has experienced some great times in this house. It has heard us laugh. We have jumped on this couch. Our kids have danced on this chair. Uh, this chair is a part of our family in a very real way. But it is a reminder that family is hard. And, and here's why that truth is so important for us to understand. In the culture we live in, 
we want the easy. We believe that the easy way is the best way. Now, that's true in a lot of areas of life. I mean, when you think about it, back in the day, if you wanted to go see a movie like this movie, Jaws, anybody remember Jaws? When you wanted to go see that movie, it was easy and it was best to go to the theater. Now, it was the only option, but it was the easiest option and the best option. But then what happened? Blockbuster came along. Anybody remember Blockbuster? Come on now. I mean, you had to get in your car, drive down to the corner, go in a store, and you would purchase this thing. I know this is going to be a foreign word for a lot of you. VHS tapes. Come on, anybody remember VHS tapes? Some of you are going, what's a VHS tape? It's like a movie on a brick, okay? That's, that's pretty much what it is. But when Blockbuster came out, it was the best because it was the easiest. You didn't have to drive all the way to a theater. Now, the easiest and the best is Netflix. With a click of a button, you get to watch a movie. It's best because it's the easiest. But, here, this is important, that doesn't apply to every area of life. The easiest is not always the best when it comes to relationships. You know this. Many times when it comes to family, when it comes to relationship, when it comes to life, the hardest is actually the road to the best. Think about it. The diploma, right? When you got your diploma, you celebrated not because it was the easiest. You actually celebrated because it was hard, because it was difficult. Um, uh, weight loss. You celebrate not because it was easy, but because it was hard. And isn't it funny when we see someone and they've lost a lot of weight, we always ask them, oh, what? hey, how did you do it? Like they're going to tell us, oh, it was so easy. You take this pill and I'm, overnight I lost 25 pounds. We know what they're going to say. Well, I changed my diet and I started working out. It's the hard way, but it's the best way. You think about winning championships, right? It wasn't the easiest. You lasted, and not only did you last, you were the last one standing, not because it was easy, but because it was hard. And when it comes to family, it's just a great reminder. It's hard. Family is messy. And because it's messy, makes it hard. And when we look for the easy way out or the easy way of doing life, it can frustrate us so much, maybe because our expectation is this should be easy. Man, falling in love was easy. Surely staying in love will be easy. Not true. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love is hard. And this chair was a reminder to me, family is hard, but it's worth it. Not because it's easy, but because it's best. And when we, when we think about Christ, does he really offer a best way for us? I would argue that he absolutely offers a best way for us. A way that really is opposite of what we would think to have the kind of family and the kind of relationships that we really want. It's not easy. It is hard. And it takes a certain word that Jesus not only told us about, but he actually demonstrated 
on how to have the best family, the best relationship with your kids, the best relationship with your spouse, and the best relationship with your friends that you could possibly have. It is a different way of thinking than we think, but it's the best way. It's the hard way. And that's what I want to talk to you about now. And I want to take you to another place in my house to do that. So let's go. Well, this is our last spot together. A very special spot for me. This is where I meet with God every morning, right here in this chair. My wife, she meets with God in that chair. Not at the same time, because I wake up a lot earlier than she does. Um, that's a different topic on marriage. But I love this spot. I have poured out my heart to God in this spot. I've prayed for you in this spot. And I, I think it's a... This is a great reminder for us for family, relationships, friendships as well. Not only are we reminded that family is imperfect, family is messy, family takes a lot of work because it's hard, but I love that we can be reminded Jesus has a plan for our family. Jesus has a plan for our relationships. But it's not the plan that you and I will first go to. It's not going to be our initial thought on how to have a great family. It's not going to be our first thought on how to have a great relationship. And so I want to open up God's Word together so that we can know, Jesus, what's the secret? What's your plan on having a great family? How can I have a great relationship? I love this. In the Bible, I have to put on my eyes. Sorry. But in Scripture, and we're going to go to the book of Matthew together. Um, Jesus is with his disciples. And let me kind of give you the setting real fast. The disciples begin arguing over who's the greatest. And they start presenting their resume to one another. And then they start presenting their resume to Jesus. And Jesus is quietly thinking, how am I ever going to teach these guys? Will they ever learn what I'm really about. And so Jesus just takes a moment, pulls them to the side, and here's what Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 20, and we'll start in verse 25. Jesus called them together and he said, you know. In other words, Jesus is saying, I don't have to tell you something you don't already know. You see this with your own eyes. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Jesus is, is, is saying, you've watched the Romans your entire life. You know what they think is greatness. Greatness is more authority, plain and simple. The more authority I have, the greater I am. The more authority I have, when I walk into a restaurant, man, People will take notes. Someone will probably pick up my bill. Man, if I have a lot of authority, someone may even want to take a picture with me to post it on Instagram. Someone may want my autograph. Jesus is looking at them going, you've watched this your entire life, and not a lot has changed for us, has it? I mean, if you're the CEO, you have the authority to get rid of whoever you want to. You have the authority to run over whoever you need to. Why? To get more authority to get more power. Jesus, his next four words are so powerful. And these are the words I want us to remember. 
And if these are the words in verse 26, not so with you, not so with you. As a matter of fact, right where you are, I want you to look at the people you're watching this with, and I want you to say those four words. So go ahead and say it. Not so with you. Go ahead and point at them if you want to. Not so with you. If you're by yourself, just write it in the chat. Not so with you. What is Jesus saying in those four words? Here's what he's saying. If you want to be my follower, you're going to live a different life. If you want to sign up for a great family, you can't live that way. Not what you've seen on how the world lives. If you sign the dotted line, I'm a Christian. I am a small Christ follower. Not so with you. And here's what he says. Not so with you. Instead, in other words, different way of living life. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. He says, men, you've been giving me your resume on who's the greatest. And you've all missed it. But real simple. If you want to be great, you're going to have to serve somebody. It's not in being something. It's in serving someone Humility is not a fall from greatness in the eyes of Jesus. It's actually a rise to greatness. In the, it's total opposite of how we think about life. It's the, it's the total opposite. Not so with you. Whoever's going to be great, you're going to have to learn to be a servant. And, and how do we know that this is the best way to live? Real simple. He illustrated it with his own life. Jesus didn't just tell us how to have a great family. He didn't tell us how to have a great relationships, how to have a great marriage. He actually demonstrated it with his life. That's why the very next verse says this in verse 27. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. He led the way on what greatness in the kingdom of God and your heavenly father's eyes. Greatness is who is willing to serve the fastest, who is willing to put the other person first. You see, here's the last thing I want us to remember about family. Family takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. Nobody likes that word. It's an uncomfortable word. It pushes us out of our comfort zone. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, it makes us think about someone else. As a matter of fact, here's how I define sacrifice. What you need is more important than what I want. What you need comes first and is more important than what I want. You see, practically, what does that look like for us? Here's what it looks like. Husband, when you come home, long day, you're tired, and you are done working. When you put your car or your truck in park, here's the reminder. Your work now begins at home. Your day of work is not over. Your work is, what does my wife need in this moment? What do my kids need in this moment? Oh yeah, I want to go in and kick back in the lazy boy and veg out and watch the same ESPN show over and over and over. That's what I want. But what do they need? 
that sacrifice. That's what family takes to be great. In Jesus' eyes, it's, a, it's the, the, the wife who comes home from a hard day's work. She is ready to just get on Instagram and get lost in, in her little social media world forever on Facebook. That's what you want to do. But the question is, what does your husband need in that moment? What do your kids need in that moment? It's being willing to say no to me and yes to you. What do you need? Now, here, 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 here's, here's how God designed it. And it's a beautiful thing, especially when you've experienced it. When you have a family or when you have friendships, when you have your tribe, and no one is thinking about themselves of what they want, but they're willing to lay down their life for what everybody needs, you know what that means? Everybody's needs are getting met. It is a, it is a beautiful system that God set up. The danger is when we forget there are no perfect families, when we forget family is messy, when we forget family is hard, and when we forget family takes sacrifice, the temptation for you is the same it is for me. We just go and meet our own needs. We're going to take care of ourselves, And this is not how God designed it. This is why Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. not so with you. It's not the way. It's not the best way. Now, the Apostle Paul would actually pick up on what Jesus not only said throughout his life, but what he demonstrated with his life. And I want to end with this passage in the, uh, Philippians. Here's what Paul said, and here's how he worded the same principle in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, listen, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. When he said, consider the other, consider the other, it means put a high price tag on that individual. That's what it means. It means value them in the original Greek. Value the other. Put a high price tag. So imagine when you walk in from work. Imagine when you come home from the day. You don't just walk into a home going, whew, I'm glad I'm done. I'm ready to whatever. But when you walk in, you're looking at your spouse, you're looking at your son, you're looking at your daughter, you're looking at your friend, and you see them with a high price tag on, and you see them as valuable. And then he says, when, when you've got that picture, when you've got that image that they're valuable in this world, they're a valuable human being, then you look to their interest. The word look is scopos. It's where we get the word scope. You take the crosshairs of that scope and you put it on their life to say, you're so valuable. I'm dialing into your need. What do you need in this moment? My answer is, I will sacrifice for what you need over what I want. It is a challenging, challenging principle of life, but it is the principle that brings life to our relationships and our family. So I want to end with one question, one question. This is it. What can I sacrifice this week for my family? What can I sacrifice this week for my family? I encourage you, think about it. Get along with God. See each member of your family with a high price tag on their life. They're valuable. And then just ask, what can I sacrifice this week for my family? Again, 
Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. Why? When he looked at your price tag, it was worth dying for. You were valuable enough to pay the ultimate price because what you needed was a relationship with him. And it was over what he wanted not to go through with it. But he did because you were worth it. And if you've never heard that, or maybe you, you haven't heard it in a long time, I just want you to know he loves you. You're valuable to him. And you are imperfect. You don't need me to tell you that. But he is a perfect God who loves you and understands that in your messiness of life, um, when you don't always get it right, Scripture says he steps into our world to transform our world. And it begins with our heart. So if you've never given your life to him, I want to lead you to do that right now. So wherever you are, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And would you just say to him, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for meeting me in my mess of life. And the best way I know how, I give my life to you. I surrender to you. I want to make you the Lord and Savior of my life right now. Come into my heart and change me from the inside out. I believe you laid down your life, the ultimate sacrifice for my sin. And I want to say thank you. And I receive the gift of salvation today. Give me the power to demonstrate that sacrifice to my friends and family. In your name I pray. Amen.